Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and on today's episode, I had the absolute pleasure of speaking to Dr. Deborah Pope, the Executive Director of the Ezra Jack Keats Foundation. If you know the name Ezra Jack Keats and you may not be familiar, Ezra Jack Keats wrote The Snowy Day, the groundbreaking book about a young boy of African-American descent who went out for a snowy day. It was groundbreaking in that it was the first book that featured a child of that race in children's literature in the middle of the civil rights movement. There's a lot going on. And when Ezra Jack Keats passed away, he left all of his money to the foundation created in his namesake for other people to elevate and empower diverse voices in children's literature to help make the world a better place. So it's an absolutely fantastic conversation. Uh, Dr. Pope and I get into a lot of different topics. You're definitely going to enjoy it. Before we get into it, I do want to let you know uh, a couple things. Uh, first off, that this podcast is sponsored by Snuffy. Snuffy is a clothing brand about empowering you to show your weird unapologetically with bravery and confidence. 10% of profit goes to LGBTQ plus organizations led by trans people of color. Shop online now at snuffy.co. That's snuffy, S-N-U-F-F-Y dot C-O. The owner and operator of Snuffy is Nick Silvestri, who designed the Detox Podcast logo. So if you like it and you want to go support him, go check it out, snuffy.co. And sponsored by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on nostalgia overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, uh, if you if this is your first time listening to the Detox Podcast, welcome. We hope you enjoy your stay and that you'll come back again soon. If you're a returning listener to the podcast, thank you so much for coming back. It really helps out independent podcasts like us if you do the following. Rate the podcast, review the podcast, share the podcast with a friend. It goes a long way and it means a lot to us. Now, without further ado, I hope you're able to just detox a little bit and listen to this conversation featuring Dr. Deborah Pope right after this. What's going on? My name is Joe Shaw, and I host the music podcast After the Encore. After the Encore is a long-form, career retrospective podcast that takes you behind the music of some of your favorite artists. Musicians like John Oates of Holland Oates, Chris Kirkpatrick of NSYNC, and Jarrett Reddick of Bowling for Soup, and many others. Each season of the podcast is themed around a different topic, like the boy bands of the 90s, badass women in music, or even artists that were featured on the TV show, The Voice. I am committed to taking you deep inside an artist's mind to find out why they do what they do, what does music mean to them, and how do they quantify success. We tell an overarching story which will take you not only behind the music, but into the psyche of the artists themselves. After the Encore is a proud member of the Roberts Media Group podcast family, Check us out on any of your favorite podcast platforms today.
Welcome back to the Detox Podcast. With me at this time, I'm thrilled to be able to talk to Dr. Deborah Pope, the Executive Director of the Ezra Jack Keats Foundation. Deborah, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. Thank you, Joe, so much. I'm happy to be here. I am excited to talk. There's a lot of great work that you and the foundation are doing, and I want to definitely get into all of that. However, before we get started, here at the Detox Podcast, we do ask people to, quote unquote, detox from the world around them, just relax for a little bit, get a window into how other people live their lives. So Deborah, I want to ask you right off the top of the show, what are you currently detoxing from? I'm detoxing. <laughs> it's an interesting uh, jumping off point right. from uh, this very major um, campaign yep. that we have been running at the foundation for the past year and a half, really. And um, we just had the culminating project. And so that is what I'm detoxing from. <laughs> I think it's good to when we have these campaigns or these monumental moments in our professional and personal lives to take a moment, bask in the, the goodness that it brought, and then just allow ourselves to, to let it go, right, and detox a little bit from it. So it's wonderful to hear you say that you've, you're able to kind of, you had it, it was great, and now taking the goodness and, and allowing it to, to sort of be out in the universe at that point. Absolutely. You could not have timed this better. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good, good. Now, I want to take a few moments, and for those who may not be familiar with Ezra Jack Keats and The Snowy Day, the wonderful children's book, I was wondering if you'd be able to give the listeners a little bit of a background on the book, and then we can dig into the actual Ezra Jack Keats Foundation as well as the EJK Book Awards. Absolutely. Um, well, Ezra Jack Keats was one of the greatest American children's book authors and illustrators, really of the last 100 years. Yeah. Um, he wrote a, a book called The Snowy Day, which you mentioned. And this book was revelatory in the world of uh, mainstream American children's book publishing in that it was about as a story about a little boy playing in the snow, very simple, universal experiences. Um, what was revelatory about it was that this little boy was African-American. He was black. Right. His name is Peter. And it was at a time when civil rights uh, had, was coming to the forefront as a political force, uh, the early 60s. It just came at a certain time. And the book itself is a beautiful book. And it resonated across all social ethnic lines. It was embraced by everyone. And this made it a really groundbreaking book. And Ezra himself wasn't, wasn't black. He was um, Jewish, Polish, immigrant parents. And at the same time, he understood what was going on around him. He knew his own history of feeling excluded as a child of immigrants. Uh, at a time when anti-Semitism was, was rampant. Right. And he, he said he had never seen black children featured in books about children, and yet they're there. And right. so he determined he would write one. And this book won the Caldecott, and he went on to write a whole series of books 
about a whole group of children, all, you know, um, different ethnicities growing up in the city. And so that was Ezra. And when he died, he left his royalties, the royalties of his books, to the foundation that he had created in his name to do good in the world. Hmm. And so that was his way of saying, after I'm gone, I want these books to continue yeah. what, we, what the book started. That, it's a beautiful, beautiful book. <laughs> yes, it absolutely is. You know, I love what you talked about with the where Ezra realized, Ezra Jack Keats realized that there was no representation of yeah. these African-American children in literature, and yet they exist in the world. And mm-hmm. and this is where we get, and we've covered this before in the podcast before, as rep, the fact of representation matters. And mm-hmm. when we see ourselves reflected in the literature and the media in which we consume, we start to get a better understanding of our place in the world. And if there is a lack of representation or an absence of representation, that can do generational damage to the perception of groups of people as they're making their way through the world. So I think it's fantastic to have a book like The Snowy Day where it is beautiful in what it is representing and how monumental it is for how many kids who finally were able to see themselves reflected in the books in which they were reading. Absolutely. The other part of it is that what it what it revealed to the publishing industry yes. was that these books made money, that there was a market for them, that their belief that uh, no one would buy these books was wrong. Right. And that made it possible for the African-American artists and illustrators, uh, authors and illustrators who were there. Yeah. who were working, uh, it, it, it made it possible for them to get more attention. Yeah, absolutely. And so it, 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 it did a, a, new, a number of things. It was like a, a chain reaction. Yeah. A absolutely. catalyst. It was a catalyst. Yeah. And it, I mean, you see, it's interesting that we see Fast forwarding a bit to 2021, and you see, I think it was last year, where companies like Netflix were were making a commitment to creating, to not even just creating art, uh, movies, and TV shows that featured these different historically underrepresented groups, but by employing directors and producers and actors and, and crew who were all of the community. So you are correct in that it takes, you've got to have a catalyst in this case, the book, The Snowy Day, which will then open the door for a variety of opportunity for others. It's powerful. Yeah. It's powerful. It's very powerful. You know, and and just building on what you're, you're saying, um, it, it, you know, you have to be ready for good luck, you know? Yes. It's never just good luck. It's always being prepared for good luck. All of these people were there. The audience was there. The artists were there. The people, the librarians were there to, you know, to, to pick up the message and bring it forth. 
to the people. So yeah, I you 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 really <laughs> you get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um you know it 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 boggles my mind at times that we as a society for too long were only providing literature media etc for a for a very specific population in our country when in mm-hmm. reality we had such unique areas of intersectionality and diversity within our population and mm-hmm. and you see everyone is is ex- incredibly nuanced and we were doing a disservice to people by not accurately representing that on the pages as we're growing up i mean i know personally when i when my daughter was born it was not until that moment i'm slightly embarrassed to say that i realized that the books that i loved so dearly growing up were not were very i don't want to necessarily say one-dimensional but they felt one-dimensional you know it was about a male protagonist saving the day a white male protagonist saving the day and it was not until that moment that I recognized there's not a lot of great variety in the stories in which I grew up in. And so let's go seek out additional perspectives because the more perspectives that children are able to see and grow up with, in my opinion, the better, more well-rounded they're going to be as adults. Yes, I agree with you. Um, it's very true. And, um, you know, not not everyone realizes that. Right. You know that was a a profound thing for you to pick up on. It's it's hard. It's hard to see beyond beyond what you know. Yes. Beyond what you're familiar with and comfortable with, and that you know that's why it persisted for so long, and that is of course why the literature itself is so important. Yes. Because. You 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 refer to it as well-rounded, and the other the not the other but the other way of saying it is that makes a person comfortable right. in a world where there are differences. Right. That's what the literature does. It it's not it it shows you this isn't strange. Right. You might not see it all the time, but it isn't strange. It's familiar. Right. You know. Yes. So absolutely. Yeah. I that's oh that's so fantastic. And now with the Ezra Jack Keats so the Ezra Jack Keats Foundation. So I want to talk a bit about you talked about a little bit at the top the uh the the big event that just culminated. So the Ezra Jack Keats Awards, this year is the th- yeah. was the thirty fifth anniversary of those awards, correct? Correct. Okay. Yes. So if we could talk a little bit about the formation of the awards, what the awards are designed to do, and what it meant for this year to be the 35th anniversary, I think it, it would be wonderful. Um, so let me, it's a great question, and <laughs> I'll dive in, I'll dive in. Um, the award was created to honor and celebrate books by authors and illustrators early in their career. It's very important that it be early in their mm. career because that's when people need the encouragement. Right. Who, who focus on creating books which celebrate the universal, universal experience of childhood, 
you can tell this is a little bit canned, but I'll come sure. back to each point. <laughs> okay. yep. um, the universal uh, uh, experience of childhood, um, the strength of family, and the diverse audience of our country. Mm. And this is all in the spirit of Keats. Not exactly like Keats, but in the spirit of Keats. Right. And so by that we mean it's not a cause book. It's not a book about, oh, we all have to love each other. It's not a book about the civil rights movement necessarily. It's not a book about um, some, some great liberator. Sure. It's a, book, it's a book in which children are celebrated, the problems of childhood, the joys of childhood, the experience of family. Yeah. Great books that are very beautiful that kids, all kids, will love to read. And we wanted to do this because we wanted to give the encouragement to new generations of creators, the kind of encouragement that Ezra got. Because The Snowy Day, which was the first book that he wrote and illustrated by himself, he had been an illustrator. But the first book he wrote and illustrated was The Snowy Day. So in a sense, this was an early career award. He won the Caldecott right away. Right. And this gave him the, the gateway to the rest of his career, to the, all the other books. And so we wanted to give this kind of encouragement to future generations of Ezra's. I love that. Not copies, but people who would be getting... We, we would be getting more books like The Snowy Day into the hands of more children because we can't just stay with one book. Right. And there were many other authors working at the same time, but, and there are many other awards too. So by no means is this the only one, but this is the way we wanted to do it, not to celebrate one particular group, but to celebrate all groups together. And so we've created a body of uh, celebrated books that are the most diverse of any children's book award that um, exists in in one place. Yeah. That. So yeah. So did I answer your question? Yeah. No. I think it's just it's just wonderful too because I I like the fact like you said something that resonated with me which was we can't stay with one book and yeah. I think that's so key I think we we need to celebrate the books that we have and then we need to say now we need more of these we need varieties of these because it goes back to the point where we said earlier children and people are nuanced and so perhaps you want a book about castles and dragons and perhaps you want a book about telescopes and microscopes and perhaps you want a book about just going to the playground and enjoying mm -hmm. nature and so Every child is unique in their experience, and so you want to have a variety of books. I, I was I was talking with an with an author a couple of years ago on this show, uh, Mark Lowen, who talked about that he wrote a book um, because his he he and his husband were looking for books that were you know every family is okay, it's all right that you know every family is made up mm -hmm. differently, and the, his daughter said this is great, but all of these books focus on the parents, and I want a book that focuses on me. I want a book that represents <laughs> me. So he wrote a book about about a, a girl who just had two dads, but the two dads were 
background characters. They weren't, you know, the protagonists yeah. in the story. And she loved it. And that was where, you know, and to the point here, we need to have stories that have the makeup that our our country has, but with various different stories. So I love that uh, we can't stick with one book. We can't have, this is the one book that solves everything. We need to understand, right. we need multiple books. And, and the fact that it's early in, a, in a, an author's career is so powerful because you're right, you do need that early encouragement. Um, what has yeah. been, what was the... Um, uh, what has been some of your favorite books that have been the recipients of this award in the past, in the recent past, oh. I'll say? Oh. Now, there's that's a dangerous question, isn't it? <laughs> I know um, they're all your favorites, of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, some of the some of the books that um, are special. Um, You know, they, they, they all, honestly speaking, they all have something that is special to me. Um, but there are particular ones, of course, that resonate with me. Uh, there was the book that was written by, um, so it was written by Sharon Yim Bridges and illustrated by Sophie Blackall, and it's called Ruby's Wish. Mm. And it's about uh, a young Chinese girl pre-revolutionary China, who was growing up in a family where, you know, boys got the education, girls were taught how to do housework. Right. And she said to her grandfather, I want to learn how to write. I want to learn how to write. And he basically said, if you can do everything that you need to do, plus learn how to write, you can do it. And so she did. She wow. learned her sewing. She learned, She stayed up late. And he saw that she had better calligraphy and better understanding of the material than a lot of the boys in wow. the family. Yeah. And so he honored that and he let her go on and complete her education. And this was at a time when, you know, girls didn't do this. And this was at a time when men didn't do this. Right. And what I love about the book is her determination and this grandfather, this older man, understanding that despite all of his training, girls can learn and need to be encouraged. It was such a beautiful joining of, um, of human, the human ability to change, to grow for both men and women. And so I love this book. And it's not, again, it's not a cause book. It's just a book about a grandfather and a daughter, a right. granddaughter. Right. Oh. So that's one book. It's very, very moving. And the, another book is called Going North, and that's by Janice Harrington. And it's uh, illustrated by Jerome Lagarigue. And he is an incredible illustrator. And this book is about, it's the the Great Migration, when a huge number of African-American families moved from the South to the North for, for work, for indus, industrial work, right. get out of the South to have better chance for their children in the North. So it's called the Great Migration. And this family, we see them packing up. Their grandmother is 
packing them with a lot of food, all of their belongings strapped to the car. And they begin to drive north to their cousins in Chicago. And what you learn along the way is that they can't stop anywhere mm. because there's everything, everyone is hostile. There are no places for black families to stop. Wow. There are no places, and they have to look very carefully for gas stations that will serve them. Wow. And that's why their grandmother gave them so much food, because they weren't going to be able to stop for food. Wow. And so if I tell you this story, you think, oh, this is a cause book. But it isn't. It's the story of a family making a huge change, and you learn what was particular about their situation in this country. Yeah. But you really focus on the people and on the triumphs of the people to make this trip. And it's, you know, a child reading the book. There are so many questions. If you sit down and read this book with a child, the child will learn so much, not because of the book, but because of the conversation the child will have with the person reading, reading the book to them. Yes. And that's what really the, the glory of children's literature is, that it's a conversation. It's a way to talk with your caregiver, your parent, your grandparent, your cousin, your older sister. Why is this on, in this picture? Why did they say that to each other? Mm. And you talk about it. And that's somebody, uh, a, a great illustrator, author, illustrator of today, a fellow named Chris Myers, who's done some fantastic work. His father was Walter Dean Myers, another, another great writer, young adult fiction. He said, children's literature is the last communal literature. Yes. It's the, it's the literature we read to each other. Yes. Absolutely. I, yeah. That is the power of children's literature and why we must have diversity within it to have these powerful conversations. Yeah. We, we need oh, and it. one other book. Yes. I'm going to interrupt me. One of <laughs> no, is good. Layla's Happiness, which is a lot more recent. And what I love about this book is that it's simply about happiness. It's <laughs> about a girl, a little girl who is African-American talking about the things that make her happy. Oh, I love that. It is. It's fabulous. It's wonderful. And um, that's the, the gamut. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. so good. Last question I want to ask you before we wrap here. Um, yeah. Well, two, but the last one's an easy one. So first I want to say, if you, I, as I understand it, you've got a documentary. Is the documentary out yet or is it coming out soon? The it is coming out soon. Okay. I'm so glad you... It's called Tell Me Another Story. Yes. I'd love yeah. for you to, to tell us a little bit about, about what, it, what it's going to cover and then also tee up around when we can expect it. You can expect it probably in the fall, in okay. around October. And it's a 30-minute film. And it covers the broad strokes, the history of children's literature in this country and the effect that uh, not just the absence of representation has on people, but 
what negative imagery does hmm. uh, to children when they see their um, likenesses distorted. Yes. Um, and w- there's a whole series of contemporary authors and illustrators talking about their own childhoods, talking about the books they loved and the books that um, meant something to them and helped them and the books that hurt them. And also it talks about the pioneers, the people early in the 20th century, like um, W.E.B. Du Bois Mm -hmm. and Perabelle Prey Mm -hmm. and Augusta Baker, these giants who recognized how important it was to children to see themselves in the books and how they struggled to try to make it happen. Um, The idea being that this struggle has lasted for Decades and decades, if not already a century. Yeah. And we're still struggling with it. Yes. Yes. Well, that is fantastic. I cannot wait to, to watch it when it comes out. Um, Dr. Pope, if people want to follow you or rather follow the, the um, Ezra Jack Keats Foundation and see what y'all are up to, what's the best way for them to do that? To come to our website. <laughs> Um, and the way to get to our website is very easy. It's Ezra dash that Jack, as in Jack and the Beanstalk mm-hmm. dash Keats K E A T S dot org. And if you forget the dashes, it's okay. You'll still find us. <laughs> Perfect. We will put the link in the show notes. Well, Doctor Pope, thank you so much. This has been a delight. I cannot wait to have you back on the show again in the future. You are doing great work, you and the foundation, and everyone needs to go check it out because this is incredible. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>